Welcome to Elevate Your Life and Soul. I'm your host, Marla Kennedy, life coach, EFT practitioner, mama, and writer, and I am so grateful you are here today. I help women shift from self-doubt to self-love so they can feel confident, and I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you. So let's dive in and elevate your life and soul. Hey, love. I'm jumping in to invite you to my new Facebook group, the Self-Love Community Tips on How to Live a Purpose-Driven Life. This is a place to take everything you hear on the podcast to an even deeper level. We have conversations, live interviews, tips, all the things, and there is an amazing group of women in there. So head over to Facebook and come and join us. I can't wait to see you in there. See you soon. Welcome to today's show. Today I am interviewing Danielle Perlin Good and she, growing up Jewish, Danielle was always interested in familial history and ancestry and loved helping others share their own family history. Um, out with the world and she has more than 12 years writing experience she worked at a children's publishing company as a social media coordinator for over three years has worked at several chicago area newspaper companies and has helped numerous small businesses with their digital marketing efforts she enjoys swimming practicing yoga being outside and spending time with her husband and son hi danielle thank you for being here Hi, Mama. Thank you for having me. Um, and let me know, how was that introduction? Is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, no, I think that that was perfect. That's, you know, the bio that I, I have on my website that I really like to introduce myself with. And uh, I think all that I would like to add is that right now I'm a book coach and I help aspiring authors unleash their powerful stories into the world. Amazing. Oh, I'm so excited to get into this conversation with you today and hear all about what you do. Um, and my favorite question to start off when I jump into these interviews is how do you start your day? Ooh, I love that. Well, I have a toddler, uh, as, mm-hmm. as you, you mentioned in the, the bio, so uh, he will be two in July of this year, 2020. And usually I try to get up a few minutes before he does. Sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. So usually I wake up uh, from hearing him and I go get him and we get dressed together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know. I know what it's like. I have a four-year-old and a six-month-old. So, um, yeah, I'm usually up with them. Sometimes I, I do try and get up before them and have some time to do some things, but it doesn't always happen. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so what compelled you to become a book coach and do the work that you do? Yeah, so... I have a background in journalism and digital marketing, mm-hmm. and I worked at a uh, children's book publishing company in the Chicagoland area for about three years on the marketing side. And when I started my business, I started out uh, reaching out to small businesses who needed help with their digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And when my son was born, I kind of put a lot of my business on the back burner so I could focus on him. And we were able, I was able to stay home because of my, my husband and what we were bringing in. And I said, okay, we're going to just wait a little bit, wait a few months. And when my son was about eight months old, I decided, you know, I really want to start ramping up my business again. But what happened was I wasn't, it didn't sit right with me, the idea of helping small businesses with their digital marketing. I didn't enjoy the idea of doing that as much as I used to. And one night I was nursing my son and I was listening to Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel mm-hmm. Hollis. I was listening mm-hmm. to the audiobook and 
I had this epiphany when I was reading her book that I knew that I could help people write their books. And I am working on my own book as well. And I have experience in the publishing industry. I have experience telling people's story from a journalistic point of view. And mm -hmm. I really knew that I've also I've always been an avid reader. I've always known that I wanted to be an author. And I just really knew at that moment that I could help other people really bring out the stories of their lives and the stories that are in their heads uh, then trying to figure out how to help them organize and structure what they want to say. Mm, amazing. Um, and so what's the legacy that you want to leave? In, in the world? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that question. So uh, one of the the reasons why I wanted to start my business again was actually because I want my son to see that, right? I want my son to grow up and see and know that his mom started her own business and is an entrepreneur. And that was really one of my main motivations personally and Professionally, I have always just really enjoyed writing and editing. And like I said, one of my ultimate goals, you know, I'm somebody who's always wanted to write, write my own book. I've wanted to be an author since second grade. So one of the legacies that I'd like to leave is not only to be able to share this journey with my son and my family, but also to be able to write my story and write my knowledge and be able to showcase that in a book form. Mm, amazing. I, I totally get that because I, you know, I want to do the same thing with my kids and just really show them that anything is possible for them and through doing it myself so that they can do that too. Yeah, I just, you know, they're the future generations and, mm. Right. And especially, you know, right now with everybody being virtual, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure when this podcast will air, but right now we're recording in the middle of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so everything's virtual. It's just very interesting how, you know, being an entrepreneur, our jobs haven't really changed as much because we're still working online. Mm, totally. And, you know, if anything, I actually feel busier. Like my schedule feels fuller because more people are like available to do interviews or be coached or, you know, because they're at home. So for me, like I'm probably busier than ever, which is really amazing. I'm blessed. I feel blessed. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. I love hearing that. Yeah. Thank That's you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the a very similar way right now and mm. have just signed a few new clients and just people are still very interested, especially right now in telling their story. People are thinking, you know, do I, people are thinking about their life, about their priorities right now. And those people who were on the road traveling, like my husband, um, he is an attorney and he travels quite often for for work and this is the longest in our entire relationship that he's been home <laughs> oh and that must be so lovely I mean um it's it's so nice to have like partners home and especially with kids because they get to spend more time cherishing their little little ones um my partner he works a lot um even when he's home he's editing and stuff and so he's home all the time at the moment and it's amazing because he's getting so much joy from being around the kids a lot more and I'm getting more, more time too, because he can help out. So yeah. It's, yep. I have, I've nodded at every word you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, what hurdles have you personally faced and um, how have you overcome them? Yeah. So one of the other reasons why I wanted to start my own business was because in the corporate world, I've been laid off a bunch of times for a variety of reasons, uh, none of which were of my own accord. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every time I've said what it, you know, what happened, it was very much, it was usually because of the company, um, because I was either last person hired or I had a job that could be eliminated very easily. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt every time that happened, and I'm sure, you know, some people in your audience would resonate with this, that, you know, if this, this happens to you, then it's hard to get your mindset around the fact that you can be confident about your abilities, right? And mm-hmm. that's, that is something that I personally struggled with and something that I feel I have made just leaps and bounds with my progress on, on my confidence level, on my abilities in what I do and how I can share those abilities with other people who need my help and need my services. And mm. after the last time that happened, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to put myself through it again. I said mm-hmm. to myself, why, why am I working for all of these years? I put so much time and energy into my jobs for other people, for other people's companies, for other people's passions and values. And uh, meanwhile, I'm neglecting my own. And I said to my husband, I'm starting my own company because mm. I, I know that I can do this myself. I know that I will eventually have a large enough team. I will be able to put this together and do it well. Mm, I love that. I love it so much. So tell me about the writing mindset. What, what does that mean to you? And can you speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. So one of, one of the reasons why I came up with this idea was because I, as I said, I'm an avid reader and I read a lot of books about the craft of writing as well. And Mm -hmm. I haven't found as many books and as many people really talking about what happens to a writer before they start writing, right? So a lot of the craft books are about the, you know, editing and marketing and the actual act of writing, of plotting and structure and all of those things, which are all very important. Mm -hmm. But what I also enjoy talking about where I really find this helps with my clients is we talk about their why in depth and we really get to the heart of why they want to share their story and really get them in the right mindset to be able to share their story. So we talk about the confidence there, you know, if, if they're having confidence issues, if they're having, if they are having trouble becoming confident about themselves and about sharing their gifts and about sharing, you know, what they know and what they want to teach, or if it's, if it's a novel and, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about. And then we also talk about limiting beliefs and, you know, I'll, I'll share an example with you. Uh, you know, first I always say, when we tackle limiting beliefs, we need to first acknowledge them. So we need to acknowledge that we have them. And in order to be able to tackle them, we need to then identify them and really talk mm-hmm. about them. So we, you know, when we make choices in our lives, right, our choices will dictate what type of person we will become. I was on a group call with a program I'm in yesterday, and my coach said to us, when you get up in the morning, I want you to make your bed, because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And mm-hmm. that really, really resonated with me, especially with what I teach as well. Um, some of the examples that I like to teach when I present about the writing mindset and talk about this and talk about, um, you know, I, I do uh, present presentations in the Chicagoland area in, um, in Illinois. And uh, in those presentations, we talk about the writing mindset along with a whole host of other, other things. But 
One example that I like to share is, you know, sometimes we tell ourselves, I am not a good writer. I am never going to publish a book and my responsibilities don't allow me time to write. So that doesn't feel good, right? It doesn't feel good when we say those things to ourselves, especially when we say them out loud. You kind of feel not good about Mm. feeling those emotions, you know, and Mm. instead of, instead of saying those things, you know, I, I always teach that I want people to take responsibility for your life and your actions instead. And you need to change your thought processes in order to do that. So Mm -hmm. instead of saying those examples, you know, I say, you know, you want to say to yourself, I can become a better writer. I will publish my book and I have a lot of responsibilities, but I know I can make time for my writing and Mm -hmm. saying those things makes you feel good. It makes you feel positive. And, uh, you know, it's, we're 80% more likely to achieve a goal if we write it down. And Mm -hmm. if you say it out loud, that's even a higher percentage. And what I urge everybody to do is if you have a confidence issue about a book that you want to write, you know, figure out where those fears and where those limiting beliefs are coming from. And from there, you can really figure out how you can acknowledge them, how you can identify them, and then how you can tackle them. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I really, I think, you know, um, shifting your, I'm really big on language and um, shifting your language to declarations of possibility and what is possible. It's, it, you know, you, you carry that in your emotions and your body. So it's so important. And so I love the idea of writing it down and speaking it out loud because then you'll really embody it. Um, and so why do you, why for the, these people like who may have less confidence and stuff, why do you think this in everyone's individual story matters to the world? I love that question. Oh, that's so good. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I think I really do believe that ideas recirculate that we all have, you know, it's, uh, it's very similar. If, um, if your reader or if your listeners have, uh, have read the book or if you've read the book, big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, Mm -hmm. I've read it. Uh, I love that book. It's just, it's one of my favorite creativity books. And if you haven't read it and you're a creative, I highly recommend it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's great. Uh, But in that, you know, I really do believe that even if we are in the same room together, Mm -hmm. we will experience a situation two different ways. That's why memoirs exist. That's why you know, I have clients who say, oh, I'm not sure I remember this correctly. I'm not sure if I remember this accurately. My sister, my brother, my mom, my dad all remember this very differently than I do. Mm. That's okay. This was your memory. This was something that you remember happening. This is something that, you know, happened, you know, in your childhood, in your adulthood, at work, at school, something that really matters. Um, And, you know, the idea of memoir, which we can talk about as well is, you know, it's not an autobiography. So the idea that we can take a slice of our lives and everybody has a slice of their life that you can actually Mm -hmm. make a book out of because everybody has an experience of something that they have felt so many emotions about that you can write those down and you can actually create a book out of that. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. So tell me then, um, uh, talk to me about memoir then. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I love working with clients who are writing memoirs mainly because we really get to discover more of who they are during the process of writing. And for example, I had an onboarding call with a client this morning and she sent me a, a, some 
a very vague outline before our, our first, uh, our first on onboarding call. Uh, and in the outline, it was, the chapters were not very heartfelt. They weren't as good as I know they could be. And mm -hmm. in that call, we talked a lot about the ideas behind the book that she wants to write. And mm -hmm. we really honed in, and this is what I do with all my clients. We talk about A, their target audience in depth. We talk about B, their main theme of the book. And C, we talk about their goals for the book. So everybody has very different answers for those three. And that's one of the other reasons why I do believe that everybody does have a book inside of them because they mm. want to reach different people. They have different goals. You know, I've, had, I've had plenty of people come up to me after presentations and say, oh, Danielle, I wrote a book about my family. I want you to read it. You know, I'm so proud that I was able to write this book for my family. And that was their goal. They did not have a goal of writing a book that was partially about them, partially about, uh, you know, their success in business, for example. And they didn't have a goal of elevating their speaker platform. They didn't necessarily have a goal of creating an online course to supplement uh, you know, their business and their book, which a lot of people do, you know, want to write a book in order to um, have that credibility and elevate, you know, mm. their, their business and themselves in that way. And that's very, it's a very popular idea right now. Um, but you, it, it's, it's really important in my opinion, to do it well and to do it right. Mm. And that's why people like me exist. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it can seem daunting to know where to start um, or what to do when writing a book. I mean, do you suggest people, what is the process? Do Absolutely. So basically it is a bit of a different process depending on what genre the person's writing. Mm -hmm. So I, I do have a couple of clients. I do take on a handful that are working on novels. Uh, but I, for the most part, I uh, do <clears throat> excuse me, work with clients who are writing memoir or writing some type of nonfiction business book. And mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's always really fun because it does, it does, have aspects of memoir within that genre. When somebody talks mm. about their success in business, you ultimately are putting yourself out there and talking mm. about slices of your life that made you into the person who you are and why you decided to have this business and uh, how you were able to make it successful in your own way. And that's why I love talking about how one can become a successful author because everybody's version, everybody's definition of success is so different. So that's mm -hmm. why when I start with somebody, when I start with a client, you know, we talk about the themes, we talk about their goals, their target audience, and we come up with a list of fears that they have about mm -hmm. the process. And we tackle those and I give them homework assignments, just like what I, what we talked about with the limiting beliefs that we, you know, I have them write these things down so that while they're writing and this does, this process does work because what happens is when you're able to become more confident about your story and your, you become more heartfelt and more mm. real about what you want to share. And really, it really comes from the heart, not just what you think other people might want you to share. Mm. And when it, when we really get to that place, that deep place within you, that's where the confidence can arise. Right. And that's where we can, that's where we know that, the writing will in turn uh, mirror your confidence. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's really, yeah. Um, it's so useful for people too because I, I, I know for me, like even I've had 
since I was young, I've wanted to write a book since I was little and just never, actually, no, I did start years ago and always, I just never did anything with it. I never had that confidence and I um, just let it kind of fall onto the wayside and I just started writing again. Um, And, you know, for me, like time is a thing that has been a hurdle. Like I don't have time, I don't have time. And what I found was, um, just committing to 15 minutes a day because it's mm-hmm. so manageable. But um, I can actually get stuff done doing that, you know. Um, and I just, yeah, I really resonate with writing down all the things that are holding you back because then you can shift them and and process them and release them. So that's really, really useful. Um, and so... Why are the goals and target audience so important? Why are goals and audience? Yeah, and your tar- I'm defining your target audience. Yeah, absolutely. So when we start writing the book, we are one of the things to answer your other question as well about memoir. One of the misconceptions about memoir is that it's about you, but really it's about your reader also. So Mm. you're, you're making an argument for your book and you are providing some type of promise to the reader throughout the book. So you are telling the reader that you're taking them on this journey and you expect to, you know, you expect the reader to end a certain place and feel a certain way at the end of the journey, right? If it goes just like a straight line, or if it goes downhill, the reader isn't going to finish your book, right? The reader isn't Mm -hmm. going to be interested in in your story. But what we want to do is have more of an upward line and and a diagram. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we want the story to really flourish where we talk about what the turning points are in the memoir and we talk about where the climax could be where you know there might be victory there might be an epiphany that happens in your life and that's something that we want to focus on and want to tell the reader about so you know i worked in marketing for a long time So the idea of talking about the target readership and your goals in the beginning of the process can really make an impact on not only how the book turns out, but how you develop your marketing strategy plan as well throughout the process. There's also a misconception that when I've heard this so many times, I can't even tell you how many times Mm. that people, which I'm sure you might've thought this, your readers or listeners might've thought this as well, that you can publish a, publish a book, publish a product, and then you can market it afterwards. But really Mm. when you market, when you publish a book, you want to have a marketing strategy in place beforehand. And that has to do with, the idea of writing the book to your target audience and having that goal in mind so that you have an idea as to how you can market your book and Mm -hmm. why you're marketing. Sometimes you don't, if you're writing like those people that have come up to me and said, Oh, I'm so happy. I was able to write my memoir for my family and it has my family history. That's great. I'm so happy for them. I'm so happy they were able to do that. I'm so happy they were able to write down their story you know, before they're not here on earth with us, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really, I, I'm very happy if I hear that because I know that they achieved their goal, but somebody who says, Oh, Danielle, I published my book. I self-published on Amazon and, you know, I, I didn't know what to do afterwards. And I'll say, well, I mean, did the, did the book, did you have some type of marketing plan for the book? And they'll say no. And I'll say, well, that's why it didn't sell. Right. So mm-hmm. it kind of all relates to each other. And that's why I really like getting clients who are in the beginning stages or if they've mm-hmm. just finished a first draft so that we can really create that plan of action for them so that their book will do well in accordance to their goals. Mm. And do you think 
when people sit down to write, do you think it's important for them to have like their outline and everything done before they get into that? Or do they just sit down and just write and just get it all onto the page? So everybody has a different process. So Mm -hmm. you have to kind of see what feels good to you. And if you don't know, then you can experiment. So if you have this gut feeling that you need an outline, if you were somebody in school, for example, who really, you needed a schedule, you needed, uh, you know, that reassurance that something was coming after the next thing, then an outline might be helpful for you. If you have a personality where you say, I'm going to just wing it and I'm just going to see what happens, then, you know, it's, it might, it might serve that person, you know, well to come up with some kind of plan in terms of, like I said, what their goals and target audience are, um, or at least at minimum, what they, what the theme is of their book right? What their argument is that that we, you know, talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. But if we're somebody who just, you know, said, okay, I'm just going to write it. Some people, I have clients who have done NaNoWriMo. It's a national novel writing month. And uh, people also use that for memoir and nonfiction as well. And I have people who have written entire drafts of their manuscripts in three or four weeks. Uh, I just talked to somebody today who said they did NaNoWriMo and wrote 50,000 words in three weeks. And, um, it was, they felt accomplished afterwards, but it didn't Mm. work as well for them because their manuscript was even more disorganized and their ideas were more disorganized. So Mm -hmm. it depends. So sometimes if you don't do the beginning work, then that will show itself towards the end of the manuscript. It Mm. will show that, you know, the ideas are a little bit all over the place. It's not cohesive. It's not coherent. And, you know, what I like to tell people too is, you know, we don't, we don't have to just write one book. You can, if you are consider, if you consider yourself a writer, you can write about a lot of different slices of your life in different books and that's okay. Mm. I've told clients that before, continue to tell people that that you can take different scenarios. For example, the book Inheritance by Danny Shapiro. It's about Mm -hmm. her finding out that her father was not her biological father and Mm -hmm. figuring out that that whole scenario and how she discovered that. But that's, I, I, I don't know exactly how many, but she... She's written other memoirs before. Mm, I think so, I've read one of her memoirs. Yeah. But not that one. <laughs> <laughs> she's, I mean, she's, she's fantastic, but it's just, mm. yeah, I love that example because it shows that one piece of news can really, if it, if it really does turn your life around, then you can, you can make a book out of it and you can mm. make, you know, you can write multiple memoirs about different things that have happened that you feel would resonate with, um, with other people who have, you know, either are going through a similar, similar life stage or have gone through it before and, you know, need some help in that direction. Mm, For sure. Um, And so can you explain to me the differences between self-publishing and traditional publishing? Absolutely. So, you know, there are, a lot of different, different avenues that you could go on with, with either, right? So the, you know, I, I worked in traditional publishing and there are a lot of benefits and there are a lot of cons as well uh, mm-hmm. to doing both, uh, both ways. So with self-publishing, you're 100% in control of the process and the timeline. So anybody can upload a book to an ebook to Amazon and you could meet like either of us could upload something to Amazon tonight (laughs) and Mm -hmm. say, we published a book on Amazon. But if you want it to do well, and if you want to have a plan in place, and if you want it to, 
you know, do something for your brand or if you're a fiction author, what happens sometimes is if you have a good marketing strategy and you're self-publishing, then, and if you get a lot of sales, traditional publishing companies will actually look to see what has done well in the self-publishing world. Um, mm. so, so that's an interesting tidbit that I feel like when I've talked to people, I think that's interesting that people don't really recognize or know. Traditional mm. publishing has changed so drastically in the past 15 to 20 years or so because of Amazon and because of the internet. And there are a lot of different, there, there are a lot of different ways of publishing your work, which is so beautiful. Um, so I'll give you some of the tidbits for traditional publishing as well. And we can kind of talk about, you know, more specifics. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> basically in traditional publishing, the publisher is the book manager. So uh, what they'll do is usually you want to get a literary agent, which is a whole different conversation. And that's not my expertise, but I do have colleagues who are experts in, in that. And mm -hmm. What happens is agents will take usually about 15% of the advance fee from my understanding. And <clears throat> that's if you are able to get a deal with a publishing house. Um, mm -hmm. It is much harder nowadays to get a deal with a publishing house if you are a first time author. Mm -hmm. uh, it's again, a who you know game. And it's also, um, you know, in terms of what, what publishing company thinks that your book is marketable and they will also look at your platform and see if you have a social presence and mm. see if that's something that, you know, if you have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, you are much more likely to be able to get a publishing deal and get a greater advance than if you have an Instagram account with a hundred followers. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just the name of the game right now. That's just how it is. Um, you know, and what happens with in traditional, so the literary agent will um, pitch it. And um, there are editors called acquisition editors that acquire manuscripts. And then they take that to the editing team and the marketing team. And it works different ways depending on the publishing house that you're a part of. And, you know, they'll make decisions based on whether or not they think that they, that they can do something with their, with your book and if they can make money because it's also a money game, right? So, you know, it's, it's also nice. It is nice with a traditional publisher. They will do usually full distribution rights. So usually that means that they have somebody or a department who um, is in charge of doing sales and distribution, and they'll distribute the book to libraries, to Books A Million, to Barnes & Noble, and there's all sorts, you know, that's not my expertise either, but I do know the basics of how that works. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the timeline for traditional publishing can be two or 10, even 10, 20 years. Uh, I've met people before that have said, oh, I've tried pitching over and over. I've gotten some feedback from agents, but nobody wants, wants a bite of, of my manuscript right now. Mm -hmm. And it can be, you know, agents will only take a certain amount of new authors every year also. So if you want to get your work out in the world, that's why, you know, a lot of authors I work with do self-publish and they, you know, they're, they want to know exactly how the process works and be in control of that process. Mm -hmm. um, the other main difference between the two is that in self-publishing, you get to keep all of your rights and in traditional publishing, the publisher has the rights and you sign a contract with them and you'll get a certain amount of royalties depending on the contract or your advance, all different types of, of things, right? So, um, <clears throat> you know, from my understanding, if you get an advance, every dollar that the advance is for 
it actually, you are earning a dollar. You, you won't earn a, I'm sorry, I'm saying this incorrectly. <laughs> you, are, you are not going to earn a dollar from the book sales until the advance is sort of paid off. So that's, you know, that's, again, it's not my expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, my expertise is, you know, learning and learning about the person and their story and how they want to tell it and deciding with them. And that goes back to why I also ask about their goals. Some people say, I want a traditional publisher. I talked to somebody last week that said, I, I need a traditional publisher. And, um, and I said, okay, like, I wish you the best of luck. I have colleagues who, you know, are more proficient than I am in that world in terms of pitching and getting an agent. Um, but, you know, the other, the other thing is that with self-publishing, it's nice that you do have complete control over your mm-hmm. product, right? There are a lot of different ways of making an income and figuring out Amazon ads, uh, looking over Amazon keywords, figuring out the book launch strategy, figuring out how one can become a best-selling author through Amazon. Uh, A lot of the tactics that are used behind that are also used in marketing, uh, whether you go traditional or self-publish. Um, self-publishing. So it's also important to know that even if you go traditional, you will have to market your book on your platforms yourself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really, really important. If, you know, I really want your audience to understand and learn that, that Mm -hmm. everyone I have spoken to who has been traditionally published, the authors who we published at the publishing house, a lot of them found more success if they had a greater platform and if they were reaching their target readership themselves also. Mm, That's so interesting. Yeah. I I hope I explained all of that. Yeah, you did. It's um, really useful information. I think it's, it's really great to know that. Um, and so a uh, slightly different tangent, but um, what's your favorite book and why? Oh, I love that. So my, one of my favorite books right now is, well, I have, I have several. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'll start. I'll start with uh, in childhood because I think that in childhood it's so important. Like if anybody's listening, and I'm sure you know, you you have said this as well that if you have a child, it's so important to share that love of books at an early mm-hmm. age, and that's something that I'm trying to do with my son. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I think that that helped me develop a love for books and a love for reading and writing at a very young age. So one of my all-time favorite middle grade books is The Giver by Lois Laurie. Um, Someone someone mentioned that to me the other day. I've heard, I've never heard of it until this month. (laughs) It's so good. I just, I love, I love it. I've revisited it several times, a lot of times throughout my life. And it's just, it's one of my absolute favorite stories. And it really shows that you can have resilience and you can make your own decisions, mm-hmm. um, even if the world doesn't want you to do that. And I just love that message. I just think it's so beautiful. One of my... <clears throat> favorite books that I've read in the last couple of years. And I've actually, I've switched to audiobooks because of my toddler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do have a whole TBR list of books as well that are hard copy and paperback, but I've, I listened to about uh, 45 books last year. And right now I'm on number 20 mm-hmm. uh, for this year. So I really enjoyed that. Um, but one of them is, <clears throat> it's called The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. And I think I've 
mention that in, in this interview. And mm. it's one of my absolute favorite memoirs. I just think that she describes, she describes her childhood in such vivid detail and such beautiful imagery that it's hard to, <clears throat> it's, she also does it in a way where how she grew up, she, she didn't necessarily have the best relationship with her parents and the way that she writes about it is you at the end of the book you still feel the love that she has for her family mm-hmm. and i just loved that so much and it was not it was a very it's it's about a lot of complicated relationships And I love how she weaves that together and talks about her own story while being able to still resonate with readers who may have also had difficult upbringings. Mm. And I just, I love that book so much. Mm, I'm going to have to read it. (laughs) Yeah. Let me know what you think. I will definitely. Um, And so what does, Elevating your life and soul mean to you? Oh, I just got goosebumps again. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So to me, elevating your life and soul means that you are, you have the ability to switch your mindset and switch your frame of mind to become more positive in any given situation, no matter how hard times are, no matter how difficult life is. The other day, for example, you know, this quarantine has been hard on everybody in the entire world. I don't know if there hasn't been anybody this hasn't affected. And it's very interesting how the world has stopped and we're all in this together. Nobody, no, nobody is different right now. Nobody is too rich. Nobody's too poor. Nobody is, you know, has, everybody has leveled off here because we're all in quarantine together you know? And I I do understand, of course, you know, people have, have different, different means of what quarantine, you know, is means to them and different, you know, so maybe that wasn't the best way of saying that, but, (laughs) but in, you know, but I, the point of that is that we can choose to be grateful for things on a daily basis even if we get frustrated, even if, you know, I personally, our family knows many people in our family and friend circles who have applied for unemployment recently Mm -hmm. in the the U.S. And, you know, it's a trying time for a lot of people right now. And uh, this is not, you know, this is a very difficult time to, you know, try to find that elevation and find that positivity, but I know that it can really be there for anybody. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to get in that mindset. If you, and like what we were talking about with the limiting beliefs, if you have those limiting beliefs and if you have a victim Mm -hmm. mindset, it's going to be even harder for you to get out of that spiral in your head and try to turn it around. And the other thing that I would mention is something that somebody mentioned to me today on a call actually was, you are, you are the, I, I forgot the exact phrase, but you are the, you encompass, you know, the five people who you spend the most time with, mm. right? And <clears throat> if you are spending your time with, and maybe, you know, right now, maybe people don't have a choice. Maybe people are in you know, not so great situations, but if you do have any choices of who you spend time with, that can also elevate your mindset and switch Hmm. you in a positive direction. So I thought that was really interesting that this, uh, somebody pointed out to me today, even in a writing circle, she said, you know, I, I need to find other writers who can elevate me. And Hmm. I said, yeah, you do. (laughs) Definitely. I I definitely. And I think you follow and stuff on social media and stuff can be a tribute to the five people in a way, because it's, you know, you're taking in positive messaging and 
Um, you know, I think that's really valuable. I'm really conscious of that stuff. Um, so before we jump off, is there anything you'd like to add before I, and I'll get you to share how people can connect with you and what you have out there as well. Um, Mm -hmm. is there any final thoughts you'd like to add? That's a really good question. I, what I like to do is if somebody has a vision that they want to accomplish, if somebody has that goal, what I would suggest is doing a visualization exercise where Mm -hmm. you can either close your eyes or you can have them open. And, you know, what I like to say is I want you to visualize this dream that you have and I want you to really hone in on that. And I want you to think to yourself, are you, at, are you somewhere signing books? Are you at a beach writing? Are you at a writing retreat? Um, are you, you know, in a virtual writing, writing retreat? Yeah. Are you, <laughs> are you reading a chapter of your published book, right, to your family and friends? Are you speaking, eventually we'll get back to, to speaking on stages, but eventually will you be able to speak on a stage about your book and your, you know, your life story, your, what you want to share with the world, right? Especially if you're writing a book to elevate your platform. So that's Mm -hmm. something that I really like to share to Mm -hmm. my clients and really try to think about in terms of, you know, the visualization. And I really like to talk about that because this is an emotional experience, you know, working with my clients Mm -hmm. when you are writing about yourself, like it's okay that emotions will come up and Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't a therapy session and I do recommend that for people who need that. You know, I've been in therapy on and off, you know, I, I hope that a lot of your readership, you know, considers that, especially now with the teletherapy, but Mm -hmm. anyways, that's, off, off track, but it's important to me to know that, you know, there are a lot of ways that your ideas can matter and you can really unleash that story that you have. I love it. It's so great. And it's such a fun thing to do um, as well. So thank you for sharing. Um, and how can people connect with you? Great. Thank you so much. So my website is gooddigitalconsulting.com. Mm-hmm. And on there, I have um, my Calendly link, uh, which is calendly.com slash GDC book. Mm-hmm. And on there, you can uh, answer some questions and apply to, uh, to work with me. And um, I also have a Facebook group called Unleash My Book. So if anybody wants more free tips from me, please, please join. It's really fun. It's Amazing. Fun. It sounds so fun. And I'll put it all in the show notes as well. So thank you so much. Uh, you're a wealth of knowledge and such a joy. And I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, and yeah, I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you so much, Mala. Thank you for your amazing questions. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I really am so grateful. And if you really love this episode, I'd love you to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me an honest review. Let me know what you love about the podcast and what you'd love more of because your honest feedback really helps me make it the best it can possibly be. Thank you so much and I'll see you on the next one.